Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the stories of businesses good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Welcome to the Colorado Business Roundtable podcast, Profits and Purpose. And I'm really excited today to welcome Liz Keats, who is the Vice President of Government Affairs at the Colorado Association of Realtors. Welcome, Liz. Thank you for having me, Debbie. It's so good to uh, finally have you on one of our podcasts with Cobert, because we work together so much right now on issues that affect Colorado's economic vitality, and it's really just wonderful get to, to get to know you and to get to know more about your work. So really excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit more about your journey. How did you end up in Colorado and how did you end up being the VP of government affairs, governmental affairs for Colorado Association of Realtors? Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, So I am a uh, Colorado native. I count that since I moved here when I was two years old Um, and I grew up in Greeley. That's pretty Uh, close. I didn't count that. (laughs) Honestly, I've been in government and political cycles my whole life. I actually used to go to breakfast political party meetings before high school in the morning. (laughs) I am that big of a dork. (laughs) I've just always sort of had that bug. Um, In college, I did internships in Washington, D.C. So I've actually spent probably half my career in Washington, D.C., whether that's working for Ben Nyhorst Campbell or uh, Scott McGinnis as a congressional staffer. Even more recently, after law school, I did some international work for the International Republican Institute and counterterrorism law at the Coast Guard. Um, So I've always had a little bit of an international and political bug. And I think Every year I or every new job, I've kind of evolved into a different aspect of government affairs um, with one little tiny detour into litigation that I did right after law school. Um, it was a good experience, but I think I'm more suited to the law creation side than the law enforcement side. And my last job in D.C. was a, a government affairs department of a pharmaceutical company. So I've actually learned a lot more about healthcare than I thought I ever would. Then when I wanted to come home and come back to my native state, because the quality of life here is so great. And so I was just going to ask you, how did you, you know, you've done this international work working in Washington, DC as kind of, you know, a place of power. What would, what lured you back to Colorado? Well, family number one, I my parents still live here, and I have one of my brothers who lives here in Park Hill, uh, but you just can't beat this mountain atmosphere. I mean, I know we've got some haze in the air from fires right now, but it's just no place else like this, and I will say, as much as I love D.C., Colorado has so much less ego and is so much friendlier when we think about opportunity here for everyone and our business sector that when I moved back, I was looking for a job that I was really passionate about. And I was fortunate enough to do a lot of those informational interviews that so many people do when they're trying to rediscover themselves and figure out what do I want to do in my next adult life. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to find the realtors and I love what I get to do now. It's just really interesting work every day. 
Well, and it's been fun, fun getting to know you. And I think you're so right about Colorado. We're such an interesting state in that whatever side of the aisle you're on, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, there's this sense of collaboration that I think people feel obligated to collaborate and to respect each other and to try to come up with solutions together. And we're not perfect, but I think there's this really fierce independence about Coloradans, don't you think, and how we look at public policy? Oh, I absolutely agree. I think that's why, as a government affairs professional, Colorado is so interesting to me because the potential for collaboration and compromise is always just under the surface. And I know we're in a pretty divided time right now, and it's very polarizing, but I'm still optimistic that I think we have the opportunity to come to the table more in this state than other environments. And maybe it's because we're switching back and forth between lots of different political sides. But one of the things I've been involved in recently that I'm so interested in is Lyft Colorado and the work to find business-friendly candidates to run for office. Because one of the things I really truly believe is business is compassionate and has a reason to be at the table that's unique to Colorado. It's replicable in other places, but I think we, as you said, are so unique in that independent Colorado spirit. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. One of the things we say at Colorado Business Roundtable is that business is a force for good. And how do we help communicate all the different ways that business is good, not just supplying products and services, but hiring employees, providing benefits, Uh, You know, the way we treat supply chain, the way we treat customers, you know, there's this interconnectivity to business. And to your point, Liz, a lot of folks who are making laws right now haven't come from the business world necessarily. So finding, you know, common ground on those some of those basic business principles is sometimes difficult. So is that part of the reason why you're looking for candidates who kind of start with that basic premise that business is good before they run for office? I think when we look at the legislature, we want to have a diversity of experience there so that we're really representing everyone in Colorado. And business has, unfortunately, one of those uh, capacities where we just get so busy doing our job, we don't take time to get involved in the policy cycles. And I think those folks that are such a big voice in our community deserve to be helping us make decisions. So the program that we're looking at is actually going to educate folks who are interested in running for office from all sides of the aisle about the business community and what those sectors are. How do the regulatory and political decisions we make impact employees and employers And I actually think it'll help us create better policy. I'm excited about the opportunity for us to bring a new voice to the Capitol. Hmm. Well, I I keep me posted on that and how we can be helpful. That sounds really exciting. Um, Shifting now to what you do in your day job, because you've got a lot of other interesting things you do outside your day job. What an interesting time to be in representing the housing industry, representing realtors. In some ways, there's been some public policy issues the last couple of years regarding no growth initiatives. Tell us more about your organization and and the the bigger challenges that you face. I will say the housing market is one of those sectors that is the backbone of the economy, just because when you think about how much housing impacts everyone, 
everyone at some point in their life is hopefully a homeowner, but they also have rented a house. Um, and when we're in a period of COVID, this is your safety and security. This is where you find your respite. So it's been really fascinating to the last four years work on housing policy. And you would be surprised at how broad the housing industry is when you think about how much it impacts. Because we talk about water rights, uh, land use rights, whether that's the surface right or the mineral rights, regulatory policy, business and taxes, um, and then economic mobility. But our realtors are also those conduits in the community that are often asked, where is that nearest school? Or is my road and my commute going to be easy or difficult? So they become these conversational elements in a neighborhood and they build those communities. So it's really given us the ability to have a lot of areas to look at. And you're absolutely right. Housing has really been in the forefront, whether it's no growth initiatives on the ballot box or just trying to make sure that our members can do their job being declared essential so that we can continue to give people the opportunity um, I don't know if you've noticed, but the housing market's going a little crazy right now. Yes, I'm really glad because I own a house. It seems like it keeps appreciating. So it's yeah, really I mean, but back up keep, is how many? How many realtors? Give us a sense of size and scope. Like how many realtors do you represent? How many are there in Colorado? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we represent 27,000 realtors across the states. There are. 44,000 licensees. If you are a realtor, that means you have signed on to the code of ethics of your local board, your state board, and the national association. There's 1.4 million realtors across the whole country. But here in Colorado, we have 32 local boards. So what's interesting about that is we really have this broad geographic uh, experience We have to understand the needs of our commercial members, our resort mountain communities, the Eastern Plains, the Front Range, and our beautiful, um, unfortunately, on fire areas in our Western Slope right now. Yeah, they probably, um, my goodness, I can't believe what's happening to Colorado. But um, going back then, you, you were about to hit on it, and I think I bumped into the conversation, but Tell us how COVID affected the realtors when all this started. As as you mentioned, they've been deemed essential workers, but take us back to when COVID first started. How did that affect the people that you represent? Honestly, I don't think I've ever been busier in my entire professional life because all of a sudden we were interpreting government action in live time for all of our members. And so we had to... One, figure out how do we make our case to the government, to the legislators, that the housing industry is something that is very important and that what my members do in terms of giving people the ability, because even in a pandemic, there are still life changes. People still get married, people get divorced, people have kids, and they need a different type of housing to fit their needs. So... First, we were declared not essential, and within 24 hours, we were able to make the case that our industry is essential, and then we got into this evolving nature of how do we include everything within the real estate transaction? For anyone who's purchased a home, you know 
there's the showing, there's the inspection, there's so many pieces to that. And it's really hard to buy property when you don't see it for the most significant thing you purchase in your lifetime. So our industry is always having to evolve and do virtual tours or react. So they are very adaptable, but as a government affairs professional, keeping on track and communicating effectively is always a challenge because our members are used to being reached at all hours of the day for their clients. So they also want to make sure we're working on their behalf as much as they're working. Absolutely. It's a 24-7 environment for realtors. So I would guess that would be the same expectation. And with COVID, you know, there's really no rule book as each state, each governor, you know, each city, perhaps. I mean, there's so many different regulatory bodies that are trying to adapt and adjust And the business environment isn't a one-size-fits-all environment. So I I laugh when I go into my neighborhood liquor store to get a bottle of wine. They actually have t-shirts that say, I survived the, uh, what do they call it? The prohibition when alcohol wasn't being sold for two hours. And then people, you know, everywhere started getting in line. And, you know, we were able to change that uh, potential law, you know, that came about as an edict, I think, from the governor at the time. So So good for you. It probably did take a lot of effort to say, look, here's how our industry has to be treated during this time. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. And sometimes the folks making the the rules don't necessarily have that input until they get it from you. Was that kind of the case that it was just this work in progress continually? Absolutely. It was an everyday evolution. And I think Maybe one of the things our policymakers will take away after this environment is I think they understand a real estate transaction a lot more than they did. But I think that probably goes for every business sector that they have been hearing from. Oh, now I understand why this piece is essential to what you do. And I'm glad that our market is doing well because I think it could be a force for um, economic recovery if we continue to focus on the right um, areas. But I think as a government affairs professional, I don't think I've ever been more challenged either through the legislative sessions and just keeping up with the 24-hour news cycle of ensuring our members have the ability to do business because we are really the only true voice for property owners across the country. So it's incredibly important. They don't have an advocacy group just because they own a home. We're that voice for them. Yeah, I agree. I think whatever your mission and scope was January 2020, your voice is needed now more than ever. We're finding that with folks that we work with in the private sector, particularly as the private sector is really the engine that's going to get our economy back on track. There's no amount of federal stimulus that can do it more than the private sector. So we are relying on you. So kudos to you and all your realtors on trying to keep the economy buzzing as quickly as we can. Uh, and I'd love to switch now, thinking about the future, what challenges or opportunities are you seeing looking ahead now? It sounds like you're at a really good spot from a regulatory standpoint, but what are you looking forward to as far as new challenges or new opportunities that would be good for our listeners to hear? That is a wonderful question, and you're actually hitting us at the exact right time as I'm starting to plan for next year. Well, next year, car turns 100, if you can believe that. (laughs) So we are actually putting in place a entire year's campaign to turn the next century into one of opportunity that opens the doors and access to homeownership for everyone. 
it's going to be a really interesting campaign because we're going to be doing some work around financial literacy and education consumers. And we're also going to look at this conversation around racial justice and what are the barriers currently in place in the real estate transaction that prevent populations from accessing home ownership. And we really want to lean in to do some research, but also find the ways that we can make impactful policy changes so that everyone has the ability to build wealth and build their prosperous future. Well, I can't wait to hear about that. Will that be launched in January? I'm not sure about the exact launch date yet because our Realtor Day, Advocacy Day at the Capitol is still evolving, whether it's going to be in person or virtual as we're all adjusting to these crazy times. But I think you're going to see us do a whole year's worth of work. And one thing we didn't even touch on, we do a lot of work on uh, wildfire mitigation. So we're going to be talking about um, the history and the how we have fought fires um, over 100 years and how we're improving technology. So you're going to see our association do a lot of different things this year. There'll probably be new things every month to tune into. What is interesting is I think every organization, including yours, has to be fluid because there's, again, not a playbook for this kind of environment. How do you approach the future? I love what you're doing in terms of access of homeownership for all Coloradans to be able to live the dream if they want to own a home. You know, how do they overcome those barriers? Um, great stuff, Liz. If people want to hear more about, learn more about your organization, what's, what's the website they should go to? If you would like to learn more about the Colorado Realtors and all the work that we're doing, you can find us at coloradorealtors.com. Um, there's lots of really interesting information there. We do have market stats. So if you want to know what's going on in the housing market, every 10th of the month, they release new data. And we've partnered actually with Habitat for Humanity. So we actually now have a new affordability index that we're using. It's a wonderful place to get resources, or you can always just reach back out to Debbie or myself at our government affairs address, which is governmentaffairs at coloradorealtors.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Liz. Um, again, want to th- thank Liz Peets, Vice President of Government Affairs at the Colorado Association of Realtors. Couldn't be a more crucial topic for Colorado and definitely affects all of our private sector businesses, our ability to hire workforce and grow economically. So again, Liz, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And appreciate all the people listening in. This has been a Colorado Business Roundtable podcast called Profits and Purpose. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom, Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.